Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? hi babe how are you I'm good how are you good really glad to have you here and super excited for our guests to meet you so why don't you take it away and introduce yourself okay hi guys I am Phoebe Greenacre I am a somatic therapist yoga and meditation teacher a little bit of an entrepreneur uh, founder of Silu and also the self-care space I hate doing those things. <laughs> it's like you're real. <laughs> yeah, I am just Phoebe. Well, I'm a human. <laughs> and you're the same Enneagram type as me, type seven enthusiast. So you do a lot of yes. things and you do them enthusiastically. <laughs> enthusiastically for, for sure. Amazing. And in all of your work, I know you wear a few different hats, but today we're going to sort of laser focus in on somatic therapy and holistic self-care and all of that kind of magic that you facilitate for your clients in different ways. So uh, you and I both love to kind of get into the deep roots of people's healing and I think it's needed in the industry. I'm sure you would agree. Uh, But why is somatic therapy and how is somatic therapy different to normal therapy? Yeah, cool. So I think the somatic therapy side of thing, I can only go on my own experience. I tried so many different therapies and so many different traditional therapies, talk therapies, trying to access the trauma or the experiences to process them and let them go of my body. And not super successful. You know, you could have a therapy session and be like, okay, I still feel the same, like in my body. So somatic therapy or soma is the word for the living body. And the living body is something we're experiencing right now, every day. And when we experience whether it's sadness, whether it's trauma, whether it's just anger, irritability, it is stored in the body. We we have a little memory kind of, and it takes a photo of everything that we experience. And so with traditional therapy, you, you, talk, about, you talk about your experiences, the past, um, and you don't really access these little snapshots of our emotions in our body, um, which is why we need to, we're, we're, why somatic therapy is so important and so um, effective is that we access the body. We use the body as a portal to healing. 
So an example is a client might tell me that she has been broken up with or someone cheated on her. And the initial uh, response is, where do you feel that in your body? And so if you're listening at home, think about the last time you had a very strong emotion, whether it's someone dying, losing your job, like there's lots of things that we experience every day. If you just close your eyes right now and just notice where you feel that in your body. And often or not, it, it's all over our body. It could be in your stomach, that gut kind of tummy flipping experience. It could be a heaviness or a, uh, a sadness in your heart. And I use these sensations in my clients to then access the emotion that is stuck in the body. It's all about getting you back into flow and having the energy move through you. So we, we do find ourselves stuck and a uh, feeling of discomfort when we have trapped emotions or trapped trauma or blocked uh, feelings or experiences that we haven't let it fully process and let go. Does that make sense? Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because in the typical world or the mainstream world of psychology and normal therapy, it's all about that top-down approach. It's like using the conscious mind, talking about the stories, the experiences and what's going on. But when you ask people that, as you do, they do suddenly realize, oh yeah, I do feel that sensation in my body before I actually assign the meaning to it or have the story around it. And so similar to you, like when I went into more somatic and embodiment therapies and doing those things for myself and for my own PTSD and trauma, I actually saw a huge shift, not just in my head, but really in the way that I was showing up, how I felt, my embodiment of life, relationships, and just old sticky patterns. I didn't even need to think about them anymore. They were just gone. They were just lifted from my system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's quite, quite transformative, the feeling you have when something has shifted and moved. Mm, amazing. So I know you love to talk about self-care. The self-care conversation I think it's gone in many different directions over the last couple of years you know at first it was this really empowering message of you know prioritizing self-care being in the self-care journey and then it has almost gone the opposite way where people feel a little bit like annoyed by that and they're like I'm doing all this self-care and I'm still feeling bad about myself or people are shaming themselves because they don't have time for self-care they think they're failing maybe mums you know are being told to use self-care and they're like, I don't have time for self-care. I have a newborn baby. So I would love to hear what your uh, version of self-care is. And I know you talk a lot about emotional self-care. So how do we start to engage with that? Yeah, so self-care is wonderful, right? How good do we feel after a bath or a massage? And I am all for booking in that self-care daily. But I think one of the things that you start to realize on your healing journey, when you kind of pick beneath the surface, no matter how many face marks you do, if there's sadness underneath, there is, there is, that is not going to go away by a bubble bath or a face mask. There is a lot more deeper emotional healing that we need to do. And the self-care in terms of like the self-care movement, I think it's great to, to get people into it because who doesn't want to do something that's nice for themselves. But when you start to be more mindful with your time, be more mindful with your body, you start to realize, okay, hey, 
the body is something that I need to look after. And that's an amazing process to get people into it, to get people to stop and realize. And then once they go a little bit deeper, they, they realize that maybe they try some breath work or maybe they try, um, you know, doing some yoga, maybe they try doing some meditation. So it's like this next level of self-care, which is working more maybe onto moving from the physical self-care into the emotional self-care and then also the mental um, health care um, self-care so there's lots of different elements or lots of different phases of self-care and I'm super like passionate about the emotional self-care and even just becoming aware of our emotions that is like one of the biggest tips and tools that I see my clients have breakthroughs with is that when they see their emotions bubbling up in themselves, they can become more aware of what they do next with their reaction or how do they then choose or make changes within their lives, depending on how they feel in their body. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. And how do we start to do that? Like, obviously, it's a journey. And you and I were just talking about how so many people want a quick fix. Like, we both get people who DM us who just want to change their life in like one session, and it's just not feasible. And it's not ethical to promise that. But how do we begin? Like, what is the first step? Yeah, so the first step is definitely different for uh, lots of different people. For me, doing my, my yoga was probably my first step into moving away from the physical self-care into more of a spiritual self-care um, and just blocking out that time for me to connect with my body, connect with my breath and connect with how I'm really feeling. And I suppose yoga for me was I was able to peel back all the layers of social conditioning, of parental conditioning, of um, the how I was supposed to think and feel. I started to peel back the layers and I don't know how it happens, but when you spend time, when you actually spend time connecting your breath with the movement, you allow yourself to exist in this space in between the breath and the movement. It's like almost like you're existing in between the transitions between downward facing dog and upward facing dog. So that when you translate that to coming off the mat, you then start to, tra- you start to exist in between the transitions rather than focusing on I'm angry at this or I'm, I just flipped out at my boyfriend for that, that you allow yourself to be in this in the transition. So when I'm angry, what do I do before I react? What do I do before I lash out? How can I be in this transition to to make a better decision, to be more myself and to be operating in a higher vibration? Because at the end of the day, we all want to feel good be, you know, have a great response to friends, family, all those things. But when we practice this muscle of what's happening in the transition, that we can really learn to get better at understanding ourselves, what we need, how do we create those boundaries, or how do we learn to be more aware of what we're feeling, Mm. feelings, emotions. Yeah. It's complex stuff. Yeah, uh, you're embodying it, right? And yin yoga, which I know you love to teach and your classes are super popular, that seems from the outset, like you think about yin yoga, it's not it's not like exercise really, is it? It's like st- long stretches. You might spend six minutes in a stretch or longer and you think, well, 
how hard could that be just being on the floor stretching? But it's amazing to notice when you're in that pigeon stretch feeling just waves of anger. Like I've had these projections on teachers sometimes where I've been like, move us out of the fucking stretch already, you asshole, you know, and just feeling that come up in me. And it's like a really interesting experience to be able to use your body to express your emotions, to move them, and then to teach you about how to actually deal with those when you're not on the mat, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, the the body is the vehicle. Like that is where the healing happens. It's not about the healer. It's not about going and doing ayahuasca. It's not about like all of these external things. It's happening inside. That's where the magic is. And I'm so excited to help people to get to that space of finding that this is home and this is where the magic happens. It's also where everything happens. Sadness, angry, happiness, joy. It all happens within our body. So going back to the yin poses or why why the magic happens in the yin poses is that in the first couple of minutes, we are, the ego is there. We're trying to do the pose the right way. We're trying to like be in right alignment. We, we don't let ourselves surrender quite, quite instantly. So then the next couple of minutes, we allow ourselves to really start to let go. We're like, okay, I don't care what I look like. Okay, I don't need to look a certain way in the end. I'm slowly starting to let the ego drop away and just be with whatever's here. And then the the fascia that's connected to the muscle and the bone starts to, we start to get into that kind of intensity or where the trauma or sadness or anger is stored. So this fascia, this web of um, interconnective tissue that holds the muscle to the bone, that's where we store a lot of our emotional junk or emotional clutter you know think of like a dirty river that's got all of these things floating around in it that's where we can start to access where you'll find anger comes up frustration comes up Um, or in I'm talking about more of the pigeon pose that you're explaining but when you're doing a heart opening emotions can come flooding to the surface you can have, I have people in class having tears, just streaming out and they're like, where the hell is this coming from? And why am I crying in this yin pose? Like nothing's wrong, but we access these parts of us that have needed moving. They needed energy flowing through them. So when we activate the meridians in the body, the energy channels that, that have the energy run, think of it an electricity kind of running along through our energy channels, these yin poses activate and stimulate these meridians that start to start to get everything flowing again. And so if there was like, I don't know, say if there was a, a, a blockage in your arm or your leg, you had kind of held on to this energy and you've opened it for five, six minutes and the energy starts to move through you, that's when you can feel those rush of an emotions come mm. through. Yeah, it can. It's surprising to a lot of people as well. You know, like some of the girls who are in my monthly membership have never done breath work. They have their first breath work session and they're like, Amy, what the fuck did you just do? (laughs) Because they're like experiencing some of them have orgasms, some of them are crying, some of them want to throw a brick through someone's like window. It's wild. But it's really cool because you realize, like, wow, I was holding on to all of that. And I didn't even realize. And 
when we're holding on to stuff like that, we don't know how that's sabotaging us or affecting our relationships Mm -hmm. or our patterns. And, you know, the cool thing that I think we both love about somatics and embodiment is being able to be free, you know, free vessel, free flowing energy so you can be who you want to be. Exactly. Let it flow, babe. (laughs) (laughs) So you spoke about the meridians in the body and you have a wealth of knowledge on things that I definitely want to pick your brain on. So where do you see certain things showing up in people's body, like in terms of conditions, illnesses, I remember you once told me about how fear comes in through the kidneys and so it can be uh, manifesting in UTIs, for example. So what are the yeah. ones that you see the most of in women? Um, look, there's there's the 12 main meridians in yin yoga that we, we focus on. I'm definitely not a Chinese um, medicine doctor, so I'm not a specialist, but yeah, there's definitely fear in the kidneys that come up a lot and we can be holding those things that can come in physical pain or physical ailments like uh, urinary tract infections. Um, a lot around the heart and the lungs. So um, the meridian that's in the top half of the body when we do our yin poses is that the blockages around there, not being able to receive love, um, not being able to give love, and then also to be open to love, to be open to new love or new new loving experiences. And this doesn't always need to be romantic. It could be you're not even opening. There's blockages in your heart that you have closed down so much, whether it be from parents, an old boyfriend, girlfriend, something has happened in your past that you've completely closed down or blocked that heart channel so that you're not open to receiving abundance of love in your job in your relationship in your sex life it's all blocked there so that and that definitely I mean the heart space is obviously one of the biggest ones that people come to and and then that can then really um respond to uh deep like anxious and anxiety when you have that closed heart space the, the anxiety can then start to layer on and you'll find that a lot of clients that I have, um, when they do have blockages in their heart, that they uh, succumb or more um, prevalent to having anxiety or panic attacks. Um, so yeah, I definitely think the heart space, there's so many different things. And that's the fan, fantastic thing about getting to know the body better is that, you know, our liver can be related to anger and frustration and um, our stomach about fear and worry. So there's every single organ is related in Chinese medicine to a emotion and whether that be in balance or out of balance. So you could have too much of it, which can then have an overstimulated stomach, which can then lead to like IBS and that kind of thing, or you can have not enough of it. So um, there can be uh, like yin and yang, you need to have a good balance of everything. And I suppose what you and me are both focusing on is how do we find that balance? How do we come back to our balance when we find ourselves off kilter? Totally. And you wouldn't find this out in a conversation in a normal therapist office, right? Like I had a completely closed heart and I was having panic attacks and anxiety after being completely avoidant for years and feeling nothing to all of a sudden feeling everything and 
my counselor was fantastic, but she wouldn't have picked up on like, oh, you've got an energetic wall around your heart. But when I went to a kinesiologist, she was like, you have a really, really thick wall around your heart. It's made of scissors. You want to cut anyone who comes near it. (laughs) And, you know, um, it consciously, I wasn't aware of that. Consciously, I thought, of course I want love. Of course I want someone to love me. That's all I want, you know. But energetically, my body was like, no, thanks. We're not going to do that. So I love that. Uh, the bottom up, bottom up approach, the embodiment approach that you use is helping people to identify the blind spots, right? The reasons why they're stuck in a certain area that they might not consciously be aware of. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's really, I just, I wish that there was more information about this type of work. Um, and even having, I know a lot of psychologists have started to train in somatic or somatic experiencing so that you can then blend both of them as well. But cause you know, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with the like psychology or psychotherapy, but it's about using it as a holistic approach. Like you can't just treat the head without treating the whole entire body because you know, if, again, if you, you're treating one part of the body, you, you're not going to just put a bandaid or a fix over that. It's we're all connected. And so we can't just like pinpoint one area and be like, oh, it's just that it's similar to like, if you were to get a breakout or have some type of skin condition, you can't just put pimple cream on it and think that it's going to heal or think it's going to go away. You know, there's something in your body that's out of balance that you need to treat and you need to look at the whole picture rather than just the pimple. Mm, yeah. And I heard the other day that I can't remember the exact uh, number or statistic, but it was talking about like communications between the brain and the heart and actually, and the brain and the body and the body communicates, I think it was like hundreds of times more with the brain, not the other way around, but it's funny. We yeah. think of the brain as the king and we talk about mental health, but so much of, you know, mental health struggles for people are showing up in their bodies that showing up in their heart or their stomach or they've got shaking hands or they you know mm-hmm. can't be still and present in their body it's not necessarily the thoughts it's something going no. on deeper in the deeper layers for them definitely well, yeah. always up for diving deeper into understanding yeah for sure so it's been a pretty chaotic year for people and everyone's having a uniquely different experience. Some people have, you know, experienced mild uncertainty and chaos this year. Other people have had their whole lives turned upside down, been through a lot of trauma. There are people who are really struggling. So what are some of the ways that we can start to navigate the chaos and come back to ourselves? Because really we can't ever control what's going on outside of ourselves. So how do we create those inner resources to be able to handle everything that's going on right now? Yeah, so I suppose I would look at what is your capacity? Because say if this is my capacity, this is a small, uh, like, you know, a cup size. And if a fucking storm comes, then I don't have enough space to hold it all, right? So, and, you know, as you do more healing or you get to know yourself better, I then have a small Tupperware. And then when the next storm comes, I can hold a little bit more without losing my shit. And then as you continue to do, you know, your practices, my container gets bigger and bigger. 
So in this time of like complete uncertainty, I really encourage people, clients, everyone listening is that what we're trying to do is rather than using the same cup that we've tried to hold all of our shit together is that trying to expand it. And we can only expand our container by coming back to the body and listening to what is, what is the body saying? And what are we going to, how do we hold more space for our body? So where we find so many people are dealing with anxiety and uh, depression and there's so much more, you know, prevalent in, I don't think I knew about this growing up when I was a teenager, like not many people would talk about it, but I think every now, every teenager now these days, you know, knows about anxiety or depression and has experienced it. Um, So having, uh, working on the body and embodying your emotions helps to expand your container. And also with expanding your container, you know, it's like when you go through your first heartbreak, it is like, you're going to die. There is nothing that experience. You can tell someone or warn someone about that heartbreak, that full body heartbreak. The next time you get broken up with, it's like, okay, still hurts, but I've done this before. So you almost have this confidence in yourself. You're like, okay, I got through this. I know I can get through that again. So when we're dealing with uncertainty and, um, and change is that how can you go back to the last time something changed and remember how the body experienced it and remember how the body got through it. You know, we, we have all gotten through hard times when we're in it. It's really hard to see the next day or even the next hour or the next minute, you know, when, when we're weathering through the storm, it is so hard to keep your umbrella up and it's so hard to keep walking and to keep going. We kind of start spinning internally going, Oh my God, this is going to happen. This is going to, I can't, I can't get out of this. And so one of the tools that I work with with my clients is that how can we go and embody the last time you went through something like this, the last time you were uncertain about the future or your your situation, and how did you feel when you got through the, the, the situation or, or the, the hard times and, and lean on that confidence that you know that your body can get through it. And it's definitely not a one-time practice and you're like, oh yeah, I went through a hard time once and I'm going to be fine for the rest of my life. I definitely still, um, and I'm sure you do st- too, is go, th- go through hard times. And sometimes when you're in it, you, you get swept up in the storm and you sometimes forget that it's everything will be okay. We will get through this. So I think learning how to and practicing to expand your container is a really, really um, beautiful tool and think and to think about and lean on the last time that you, you went through the storm and to embody that feeling once you got out the other side. I mean, there's, there's so many tools that we could go through today, um, but that's quite a simple one is just leaning yeah. on the, the confidence of, your, of the last time you got through this. And I know none of us have ever probably lived through a pandemic before. So it's not like we can go back to the last time we had a pandemic, but we can go back to the last time we would, were faced with adversity or some unknown um, situation. Mm-hmm. And would you recommend journaling or meditating or 
you know, sort of getting into a visualization and recalling that experience? Yeah, so I would definitely, whether it's a meditation or, or just being still, like the magic is all inside of you. The magic is all within within your body, within the container that you already have. And so being still, whether that's uh, meditating, whether it's just taking some moments to sit by yourself with a tea and just be like, let's see, let's see how I can go into my body and remember and re-remember and keep remembering about when was the last time that I felt strong and when was the last time that I um, felt like I, I got through this and I broke through. Yeah, beautiful. Amazing. And while we're on the topic of expanding this container, I think a lot of people turn to numbing techniques. I know I used to, so like no judgment, anyone listening, if you do that, but I know I used to even subconsciously, not even realizing I was doing it. I would just turn to alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, shopping, just anything to, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And I didn't even know that I was doing that for a long time. I just thought this is just what I do. And what I realized was that, you know, those things were kind of keeping me from that explosion of pain in that moment. But what happened was, is it royally erupted for me when I was 23 and, you know, suicidal and had to face it all at once. So uh, what are the ways that we can ground ourselves to make our container regulated, you know, to make ourselves able to handle some of the things that are coming our way? Like, are there any self-care techniques that you favor for this? Yeah, so I I was speaking to a client today about this and it's it's about connecting the your awareness to what's happening so when I'm get angry I'm aware that that's happening I'm like okay I'm getting angry I know this is gonna happen something's gonna happen (laughs) and then also then going to the somatic feeling so what are the sensations I'm feeling in my body how does that appear how is that showing itself in my body and Right now, if I go back to a time that I was angry or feeling irritated, I get like a heat rising up through my center. I get tingling, like hot tingling along the back of my shoulders and up through my neck and my head. And when those feelings start to, or when those sensations start to move through me, I then connect that, okay, this is a, a, a I'm having an angry situation and rather than lashing out or yelling at my husband or, you know, doing something in anger or going for the chocolate or, you know, there's, there's, we're always looking to run away from this because that heat rising up in you like a fire and that tightness and the tension and the, the, the body, the, the feelings that I'm having in the body are uncomfortable. And it's like, I want to run away. So allowing yourself the time to sit with it and no one wants to sit with pain and that's the hard part of healing is that you need to sit with the discomfort you need to welcome it in with open arms and be like hey let's sit with this and let it let it move through you so emotions last from 60 to 90 seconds there was a study um, called the 90 second rule and if you're feeling that you can't deal with your emotions at home and that you, you know, the next time that you have a rush of or a surge of emotion, set your timer on your phone for 90 seconds and allow yourself to just sit 
and let the emotion move through you. And that may look like crying. That may look like you might want to move through your body and move the or shake out or tap the, the emotion moving through you. Because if we don't let the emotion process, it's the whole cycle, the beginning, middle and end, we can, the emotion can get stuck in us. And that's how we, when the emotion gets stuck and continues to get stuck in us, this is when we can build up and find that we have blockages. It might be a sore neck. It might be a sore throat. It might be you keep having the same fight with your boyfriend or girlfriend. So these, rather than uh, blocking the emotion, let the emotion move through you, set your timer 90 seconds and know that when that 90 seconds is up, the, the emotion has probably left your body. And the, the biggest tip is rather than focusing on what made you mad or sad or angry, rather than going, oh, he broke up with me or she did this or I'm really angry at that or I'm really anxious about COVID or focus on the body sensations. Be like, okay, it's bubbling up through the back of my neck. I can feel the tingling on my shoulder blades. I, I can feel the butterflies in my stomach and focus on the body sensations and then the body sensations will usually subside. When we focus on why or what's made us angry or um, upset, we then, our mind gets involved, which is what we don't want to happen, is then our mind attaches to it and it almost goes along like a record. It's like, he made me sad. I'm gonna be sad. I'm sad because of, he made me sad. And we almost go, it's like a broken record. And we get stuck mm. in this first third of our emotional cycle. So yeah, the tip is to let it go, let it move through you. Don't focus on the actual thing that made you angry. Focus on the body sensations. Put your timer on for 90 seconds. And this is a really practical tool when, you know, you might be suffering with a panic attack or like an overwhelming crying, like, and in that time you feel so alone that you, you don't know what to do. And that, that's a really practical tool that you can do is to just focus on the sensations in the body let it run its course. Because mm. when you think about a toddler, and I loved using this example with my clients, a toddler falls over and, and scrapes its knee. Yes, it's painful. They scream, they cry, they run to their mom. Like there is that release. They release it through their body. They let it move through you. They don't get embarrassed about crying. They don't think about, oh, they're going to think that I'm crying and they're going to think that I'm weak. They just let it rip. They run it through. And then literally 90 seconds later, they're like, oh, there's a toy in the corner. And they go off and play. And they don't ever talk about that thing again. They, it's gone. They don't think two weeks later, oh, remember that time when I hurt my knee? And I'm really still quite sad about that because the emotion was allowed to process and it went through the whole entire process in their body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is where, you know, there's this gap between mindset work on limiting beliefs. I saw a great quote on Instagram just before from Mastin Kip and he said, limiting beliefs are a defense mechanism against unhealed trauma something like that. It's like a story that you create because you're like, I'm not going to let this emotion embarrass me right now. I'm not going to let them see me cry. I'm not going to say that thing because my mom will get angry at me and withhold her love if I throw that thing across the room because I'm angry. So it like mm -hmm. blocks it from expressing. And 
I love that you give the example of little babies because I think we can learn so much from them. They're so just much. like pure, <laughs> pure innocence. <Consciousness>. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. And I love that it's 90 seconds because I think for a lot of people, these triggers and these projections come up for them when they're at work, you know, with like bosses who activate a certain response in them or colleagues who are doing certain things that are making them feel emotional in some way. And it's not always like appropriate to do an anger release in the middle of the office, right? So it's like, take yourself to the toilet cubicle, 90 seconds, shake it out, cry it out, uh, get it out of your system, give yourself that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's super, super powerful. 90 seconds and then, you know, you can be free of it. And you don't focus yeah. on what made you made you start in the beginning. It's probably very useful in an argument as well with your partner or something. You're like, all right, 90 seconds so I don't project I'll vomit this story onto you. Completely. <laughs> and even in that situation, like I know it's hard to, you know, I have done in the past, probably still do, is you're like, I'm done with this conversation and walk away. <laughs> and the, the the bigger thing that I can do or the more like more honoring for my emotions is like, hi, babe, like this is really making me really angry right now. Can I go, I want to go and process this by myself. Can we chat later? And so you're honoring them that the conversation is still open, but you are honoring yourself saying that you might just need 90 seconds to process this emotion rather than like you relapsing into like a, a, an abandoned child or an abandoned, you know, going back to that kind of you not being heard or listened to. So that's a really powerful um, exercise that you can, you know, next time you're in a fight or a hard conversation with your mom or it, there's, it's very tr- um, transferable into all different types of relationships. Um, but the, the biggest one is that you practice it by yourself when, I don't, I know at that time of the month, um, I get super irritated at everything, like everything. (laughs) And I need to give myself the space. And so I might get an email or have a really difficult phone call or just something's really pissing me off, um, that I allow myself to go sit on the sofa, praise for working at home, um, go and sit on the sofa and, and be like, okay, let me, let me, let's just process this. Like what's irritating me? What, it, what do I need to, to see? What do I need to let go of? And what do I need to just let go, let, let it go through me? Um, and that sometimes my body is just saying sometimes, hey, babe, I just wanted to sit down and have a bit of a pause because my emotions or my hormones are really all over the place right now. And my capacity to hold as much as I normally do has shrunk. And I don't have as much capacity in the week leading up to my period, which is normal. Our our progesterone levels, our hormone levels are all over the place. So it's going to be, it's normal for us to feel different or to feel more heightened. And I think that's probably one of the biggest kind of releases or like understanding about who I am and how I operate is that I need that space and that time to go and process what I'm feeling. And so when you get more comfortable doing that on your own, then that practice can then start to move in or fluidly move into conversations with your boss, conversations with friends, family, any kind of difficult situations. You can start to pair the awareness of the emotion, the body experience, and also allowing yourself some time to process. 
Yeah, I really like that because it's not just bypassing the emotion and then just talking to the person and kind of trying to keep your cool and glossing over what you actually felt, but it's also honoring honoring the emotion, honoring the other person, knowing that I'm not going to communicate very well right now when I'm angry or I'm pissed off or I am just feeling really not resourced. I'm fragile on my period or something like you said, and just saying, you know what, I want to have this conversation with you and I feel like I have the inner resources and the grounded headspace to articulate myself properly. Is that okay? And it's hard the first time you say that. It it can be really hard, especially if the other person's not expecting you to say that. And also they don't have the capacity to actually hold space for you as well. So Mm -hmm. know that it it can be hard the first time or it can be easy. Sometimes sometimes guys, and I'm thinking like I'm in my husband relationship, that they're just like, oh, I didn't really know that you felt that way cool go have 30 seconds or 90 seconds like they don't care they're so like logical yeah Yeah. and when we're just over here like a spinning ball of emotions (laughs) totally totally I think it's quite it's quite empowering as well to do this around the time of your luteal phase and your menstrual cycle and to hold respect for yourself in that period rather than being like oh my god I'm a crazy bitch my partner thinks I'm being a crazy bitch. <laughs> He's judging me for it. I'm shaming myself for it. And I need to try and be as normal as possible so that he doesn't think I'm a crazy bitch. But it's like trying yeah. to keep a, a a cork in a champagne bottle that you've just yeah. shaken up, you know. It's like it's yeah. going to exploit on someone at some point and maybe, you know, you're going to actually have more period pain if you're holding these things in, like you're holding in anger, you're holding in frustration and resentment. And so... I'm I'm sure you've done this with Alex as well, but Tristan knows when it's my time of the month, it's a it's a sacred time. He needs to be very compassionate and very cuddly and very gentle. If I want him to stop touching me for no reason, he needs to get away. If I want him to come close mm. to me, he needs to come and be close to me. And he doesn't know when or why or when anything's gonna be summoned or told to him, but he's just like, okay, I'll just roll with your flow (laughs) literally completely it's it's such a I suppose new experience for for to be in a relationship like that because normally in a normal unconscious relationship people will be like you're a fucking crazy bitch like it's this happens every month can't you get rid of it (laughs) but when you start to hold space for it for yourself first of all you can then ask for your partner to hold space for it as well yeah Totally, totally. And yeah, and maybe they end up being really into it. Like Tristan knows that it's really powerful to manifest with your menstrual blood. And so now he's like, what are we manifesting? He's like, great. It's the the magic time of the month where uh, the magic potion helps us make our goals come to life. And he never would have thought he would say something like that a few years ago. But, um, you know, and not everyone's going to be as open-minded, of course, but I think Uh, men don't have this experience and they have not been taught about the sacred rituals and, you know, what it's like to be a woman. They don't know what it's like to live in a cyclical rhythm. So Mm. I think sometimes we have to teach people how to respect us and show them how we want to be treated and how our energy is and letting 
letting people know, announcing that energy to the people that we're in relationships with. Completely. I, I wish and I hope that Alex gets there one one day to <laughs> manifest on my moon. Um, not there yet, but he's he's definitely warming to. He's like, babe, do you want to do you want to pull a card? And I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, I want to pull a card. Yeah, he's <laughs> so spiraling slowly. Down. slowly. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. I think the one thing that you can really ask for in a relationship with in, like talking about emotional um, holding space for people's emotions is that we're, as a woman, we are so colourful. Let's put it colourful. There's so many different, um, uh, you know, if, like when you look into a diamond, there's just so many facets and it's so beautiful, but it's almost so complex. And the biggest thing that you can do is just to hold space for our complexity. Maybe you don't need to understand every single element or uh, like memorize every single kind of cut in the diamond, but just appreciate it for its beauty. And that some days it might sparkle more than others. I and love that. You that. Have to- it just came to me <laughs> you channeled it but you know and, yeah and you it. know what like you just said something so interesting men like to try and understand things but that's why the feminine and masculine are attracted to each other because the masculine doesn't understand the feminine and that's the mystery the the masculine's mm-hmm. like I don't understand you and that's what is attractive because it's polarity and vice versa, as the feminine, you fluctuate, you dance, you change. And so the masculine energy is nice and anchoring for you. It's like, you know, you were talking about this container uh, metaphor before. It's like, you're the water and they're the container. The water without the container is just going to, you know, fall on the ground and just go wherever it wants. So like, Your partner doesn't have to understand you, but you can choose like, what are your needs? Like, I need you to listen. I need you to just not judge me when I do this. I need you to just say it's okay when I'm in a mood or I'm angry. Um, And I think it's really empowering to do this work in relationships and to go on that journey together. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it makes just life so much more interesting, but also pleasurable to, to be on that journey together. Yeah, totally, totally. And you guys are on that journey together anyway, because you got together and then you re you broke up and you went your separate ways. You did some personal development. You reunited yeah. at a train station randomly. Yeah. I remember when it happened. And now you're married and uh, your husband meditates. He does do those. Like he does do his own thing. He meditates he? more than me. <laughs> yeah he he's up every morning 6 15 he puts an alarm on and he goes and meditates moves his body whether it's yoga or, or stretching or whatever um and he's disciplined like he is like yeah I mean how we came not how we came back together but how what he went and did he went and did a silence retreat in Costa Rica without me knowing we like completely you know one day I just I came home from Bali and I had some time by myself and realized that I was, my sparkle had been dimmed in the relationship. And then I spent some time by myself and realized that I was a lot more shiny and a lot more sparkly when I was away by myself, just in my own energy kind of aura. And so when I came back together, back to London, I was like, nah, this is not working for me. Like I want to sparkle and shine every single day. And you're putting like a big 
black smoke around me kind of thing. So we went our separate ways and he then went and did a um, two week uh, silence retreat in Costa Rica and met his demons and dealt with his ego and, um, and let go of a lot of stuff. A lot of this like control that he wanted to control his own life and control my life. And, you know, it's, it's been a beautiful journey to watch that. Um, and then, you know, the universe brought us together. We ran into each other at a train station. Um, and because we had both um, gone on our own separate journeys, we came back together by coincidence or maybe not coincidence. And we had done our own healing separately so that when we came back together, we could both sparkle together again and continue to, you know, keep making, um, keep holding space for our emotional development, our personal development. And this, this is the real deal this time. Our containers are much bigger for our, our own stuff, but also for each other's. And I think that's what was so important about, you know, coming back into a more conscious relationship. Yeah, babe, it's a really powerful story that I think is inspiring for people because I think a lot of people stay in relationships with an expectation that their partner might change and then are very resentful or very disappointed when they don't because they're trying to change the person that's in front of them and wish them into something different. So I love that you had the courage to actually just say this you at this present moment is not you know, conducive and congruent to what I want. And I'm going to walk away. And it wasn't like, oh, we might get back together in like six months. It was like- It was an end. Yeah. A hard stop. There was a hard stop. And I was also just about to turn 34. So that I could have lent on the fear of like, I'm 34. I don't want to be single. I want to have a baby, all of that kind of stuff. Um, But I had to like, I'd just been in doing a month worth work of embodiment and somatic healing. So there was no way I could hide or run from the fear or run from the, like cover it up and be like, it's fine. I'll stay in the relationship. I I can deal with this. You know, I don't, I can, I can put up with this or I can, this can be okay for now, but I had to really run into the fear and be like, I have to fucking do this. Otherwise I won't be, I won't be lit up inside. And that was equally as scary um, to break up with someone when, when all of those fears were there and present. But I had to, rather than letting the fear control the situation, I had to run towards the fear and do it anyway. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah, the best quote ever. So much truth. You were embodying your truth, even though you had fears. I think so many people resonate with that, especially women in their 30s having their, you know, biological clock ticking and, you know, a desire for a baby, if that is the desire and being at a certain age, it brings up these fears and concerns in people that are really, really strong. So it's really inspiring and it worked out amazingly. And you're probably two completely different people now because of that. And you, you know, the universe brought you back together at the Parsons Green train station. Yeah, that's it. I was secretly checking him out. So from behind, I was like, oh, that's a cute guy in the suit. And then he turned around. I was like, oh my God, you should have seen the 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 look (laughs) on my face. I was like, oh God, I've been sprung, but like in the worst way. (laughs) But yeah, magic on your ex. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Love it. So um, if anyone's listening who is going through a period of transition right now, you know, maybe 
their job has ended, their relationship is ending. Maybe they're still living with their person, even though the relationship has ended because of lockdown and things like that. Or maybe they're transitioning into motherhood or whatever it is, this transition chapter what is what would be like the golden nugget of advice that you would leave them with about what their next step is to cope to embody to get through yeah. to the next chapter i think when we are faced with challenge and chaos that we we want to run away and that's the first response is like run away from this get to a safe space but then it'll catch up with us. You know, you move on, you change jobs, you get a new partner, things happen. That that thing that you were running away from, the fear or the discomfort you were running away from will come back. So like we said earlier in our conversation, it's like come back to the body, come back to your home. This is the only home you will ever have. You will change physical homes. You may change, you know, physical locations, but you inside of it, you've all you've got, like, this is it. You were born by yourself and you will die by yourself with your own soul, not with anyone else's soul. So if you can start that, that journey back to you, that back to yourself and start to get to know like what it is that you truly want, what it is that truly makes you happy. Um, and then on the emotional side of thing is that when you're scared or upset or and you want to run away, come back to being still and let those body bodily sensations be seen and be heard so that the emotional process can take its full uh, cycle, the beginning, middle and end, 90 seconds. That's like the biggest tool rather than running away because when we spend so much time in the future, this is when we get anxious and that can then spiral into many other things. And when we spend so many think times in the past, when we think about, oh, I wish my life was like this or I wish the the before COVID was like this, if we spend too much in the past, we get depressed because we're we're not being in the present. So being in the present is the best gift that you can give to yourself and being in your body rather than your mind. We can think a million things a day, but we have to come back to what's feeling in the body, the emotional response, the emotional, the emotions that are moving through us, the energy that's moving through us. We have to try and keep that all in flow. I hope that answered the question. I kind of went on a tangent. It definitely did. And, you know, I think those are the profound moments when you are all alone in your emotions and you have that little part of you that's like, all right, I've got you, you know, I've got my own back in this moment. I've definitely experienced that a lot of times in my life and it's how you grow and get stronger and reach for your joy again. Yeah, and I would just say in that, like, we're speaking so much about, like, emotions and their bad emotions or good emotions is that I can't remember what that movie is it's like a little child's movie and there's there's all these emotional characters in their brain in your brain and I can't remember what it is but it's like okay when it's angry the angry guy gets into the driver's seat and starts to drive and then it then the angry guy then goes back out and then the happy guy comes back in and he drives in and this is like talking about in your mind that it's okay to be sad and it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be happy. There's all these things that we in the human experience is so complex that welcome these things in, let them be seen, let them be heard, and then ask them to leave. 
And that's the, the process of the, the 90 second rule or the beginning, middle and end is that you can welcome them in and ask them to sit down and be like, hey, anger, thanks for stopping by. Why are you here? Like, why did you stop by today? Like, what made you come in and, you know, start this tingly sensation in my body? We can have a chat with our emotions, have a chat with ourselves and then be like, okay, thanks for that. I, I, I understand. I acknowledge that you were angry about this. It's time to go now. Goodbye. Bye, Felicia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so welcoming all of the different emotions the biggest thing that um one of a therapy session I had a semantic therapy was like Phoebe you have a lot going on right now you're it's okay for you to feel frustrated and I was just like whoa why hasn't anyone ever told me that why haven't I told myself that and just that acknowledgement when I say that to my clients I'm like Amy, you have a lot of, that's a lot to deal with. That's a lot for one person. And they are just like, wow, no one's ever said that to me before. So if you're listening at home and you're, you know, you're doing the work, you're trying everything, you're doing yoga, you're, you're going to therapy, you're you're stepping up and you're investing in yourself. Sometimes we just remember to say, whoa, there's a lot going on right now. We have a lot as a human consciousness to deal with. There are so many new rules, new regulations, our normal freedoms of movement have been paused. And so just accept that and be kind to yourself. And, you know, it's it's all well and good to be like, yes, work from home and do this and change this. And yes, you can't see your friends and be like, I'm okay with it. But also just to be like, yeah, this is a lot to process right now. And it's going to be normal to feel things and to feel things in their enormity or their complexity. So listening at home, be kind to yourself. You don't need to figure it all out today or tomorrow. We're here for such a long period of time that there's no rush to the finish end or the finish line. There is no finish line with healing. There is no finish line with getting to know and accept your emotions this where this ever growing changing evolving human being and there's no one right path for anyone so be kind to yourself know that this is a what's the the quote of a million steps starts with the first one just take the baby step today move closer to getting to know your body your home your container before you start rushing to the end line. Yeah, yeah, totally. Amazing. So where can our listeners find you, babe? Uh, I have my website, which is phoebegreenacre.com. My Instagram, the same, phoebegreenacre.com. My self-care space is, you can link that in my profile or it's the selfcarespace.co, no.com. Um, which is my monthly membership for self-care, um, healing, yoga, meditation, breathwork, sound healing, all of the tools to get you started into this journey of self-discovery. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and magic with us today. And I'll speak so to welcome. you soon. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you, and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful. And it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage, and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.